Hey, it's Steve Balton, and welcome back to My Turning Point, where this week, I'm really excited to share with you one of my favorite interviews from this year. I had a great conversation earlier this year in LA with Ellie Goulding, and this is that chat. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, because it was spectacular. I've interviewed so many people during Grammy week, right? Yeah. And I was supposed to go to Elton's party last night, and then um, I just have had a rough week, and I did not want to go to a party. But, you know, talking with so many musician friends during Grammy week, it's very inspiring to be around all of these creative people. So for you, you know, talk about just how it inspired you. And, you know, because again, when you're around other people that you admire, yeah, it, it's like it, 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 it flows the creative juices, even if you're not doing anything specific with it. You get to talk to people, figure out their process, learn yeah. what they're doing. So for you, you know, are you now ready to go direct an Oscar winning film? <laughs> It does, it does like give you like a, a boost of, yeah, like it, I mean, I was chatting to Phineas last night and oh my God, to Zane Lowe this morning and it does kind of re-energize you a bit. Um, you know, I've been living in London with my son and it does, I realize how much time I'm spending by myself and you know, occasionally getting in the studio, finishing bits of the album, doing other, other things. Um, and then, and then you find yourself with someone who loves, appreciates music as much as you. Um, and uh, essentially, just like music nerds, you know. And I forget that. I forget that like it is so crucial to be around those people. I don't think I am enough. I was talking earlier about like collaborations and feeling like I've slightly abandoned that aspect of what I do. Not intentionally, because I'm I'm just quite introverted. I, I, I did go to the party last night but it's not my natural like habitat at all. I don't I don't like being around lots of people and um, and I you know, back in the day on tour I would retreat back to my room like back then awful I would sometimes smoke a cigarette which I don't obviously ever do now but um, I I would I would have a couple of drinks to myself and and that was kind of my night, you know, I was, I, I didn't want to go and join the after party, which my band did. My band would like go and do that every night, um, you know, because they had friends come on, on, you know, watch the tour or, whatever, or watch the show. Um, so I've, I've always kind of operated like that. I'm always like kind of a bit of a lone ranger and um, it does make me remember, realise, like talking to people like Zane this morning, who just like knows so much about, you know, the way artists work and, and um, it's just, it's just, you know, I was tired this morning and he completely like injected me with like, you know, excitement and enthusiasm for my album and for, for just music in general. And um, it's so nice to also think about, think again, like, and reminisce about the musicians that, you know, inspired me. And we're talking about the new Calvin song and it just takes me back to like the music I grew up listening to. So um, it's been a nice, there's been a nice bit of, you know, nostalgia recently. That's so fascinating. Of all the people I've interviewed, and you know, like Benny said, I've interviewed everyone. hundred, you know, I'm like the only person in the world who's interviewed James Brown and smoked out with ASAP Rocky. Really? So, <laughs> but what I will say, the person who explained what you were just describing to me better than anyone in the world of all people was Barry Manilow, and I love Barry Manilow. But he talked about how in the '70s, and keep in mind, at that point, you know, he was gay, but obviously in the closet. But he talked about the fact that he would play these huge arenas, and then he would go back to his hotel 
and he had no friends, and he would go sit in the room by himself, and he was playing to ten and 20,000 people, and he would go spend the entire night by himself, and it was the loneliest feeling in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think people really don't understand how, you know... I, I can mean, relate to that. Yeah. I mean, I was friends with Chris Cornell, I was friends with Taylor Hawkins, I was, I mean, and I was friends with Chester Bennington, and unfortunately, you know, musicians on the road, it's a very um, isolated lifestyle. Yeah, it is. And I, I, I feel like I, because I, because I am naturally like introverted, always have since I was a kid. It's really why I didn't end up acting. I, I, um, I was always, I knew I was always meant to sing, but I, um, I guess in the beginning I thought that acting was, was, was supposed to be my, what my destiny or whatever. Um, but I was just too shy to do it, so I ended up picking up the guitar and 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 singing instead. Um, and I. I thought that was normal. I thought that you know musicians did just just go back to their room and like and then go back to the hotel, but actually it's not. And I feel like a lot, you know, there were a lot of other female artists. I was chatting to Charlie XX last night, and she's done, she's done so many collaborations. I don't know whether it's just like I I'm like, are they all hanging out somewhere that I'm not hanging out, or is it just that like she's reached out to people, or you know they've reached out to her? I don't know. I I also like have a warped perception of how, what people think of me, or you know like how people see me as a musician. Some people see me like, more in America see me as like electronic, electronic pop artist, I guess, and in the UK more of like a ballady. The reason singer. I was, the reason I was smiling when you said that, by the way though, is because it's funny, because I was reading in your bio where you talked about, you know, feel like the imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. And that's every real artist in the world. I've been friends with yeah. Neil Diamond for a thousand years, right? I've, I've done liner notes for him three times. When he, this is not public, but when he got the um, honoree for Music Cares, right? And this is yeah. Neil Diamond, right? Yeah, yeah. And Coldplay, Food Fighters, all these people played. You know what his first response was? What? Wow, that's really great, but is anybody going to actually want to cover my songs? Oh, really? Yeah, so you're in good company. I mean, it's. I think it's a normal trait of an artist to feel like, you know, because artists are by nature perfectionists, so you feel like what you're doing is not good enough, yeah. even if everybody else likes it. So yeah. I think you're, it's actually, but it's funny because I remember joking about this with artists, and I guess, you know, I'm lucky I talked to so many artists. A lot of artists don't know what other artists necessarily think. Yeah. But it's well, a very common trait. It, it's, maybe I should keep it that way. I, I just, you know how like there are, there are, you know, you, you there's a musician that people generally love, listen to, and that, you know, there's a view on them, like that someone's a nice guy or someone's a, uh, you know, you know, uh, quite awkward, but plays amazingly live. Like, you know, there's that kind of like a general like, sense of like someone. I don't know what people's, and maybe it doesn't fucking matter what people think about me. But um, I wonder if like that has affected me, and that like I haven't reached out to people or like you know actively gone to things where I know what other musicians are because I just I'm like, oh, what are they going to think about me? Are they going to you know, do they do they judge my music because I make pop music or or like um, I don't know I, I think that's probably why I, I've you know done I haven't done as much like collaboration and and worked with other people as much as I'd like to I don't know maybe but yeah oh, it's interesting but I mean so when you go to an event and you talk to Phineas who's like one of the nicest guys in the world you know like does that give you a better perception of what other artists think and it's funny because again every artist by nature is insecure yeah you know, so by, but they're all thinking the same thing, which is, well, what does Ellie think of me? Does she hate my music? <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. See, that's the thing. I'm then thinking, why would they care about my opinion? You know, um, so 
it's, so, it's yeah you're yeah. right it's uh, I guess it's just like a trait of all of us um, but I, I definitely need a few drinks to like pluck up the courage to talk to someone like him mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and when you talk to him uh, is there future collaboration in the works I'd love to I mean I, you know I said that we, we said to each other you know oh, oh we, you know, we should do something um, I would love to obviously I think he's really talented and I think they're busy finishing like Billy's album I think he mentioned um, so gotcha it's out a lot yeah I mean and thank god <laughs> um, yeah so maybe okay. alright so who else is on the wish list of collaborators you worked with some amazing people on this record by the way too yeah I mean some I know, of like I'm, I'm lucky and that's one thing that like crushes my imposter syndrome that like the best producer in the world will work with me or you know always do always up for it um, and um, I, you know, I pick, I pick, I get to pick people I want to work with, which is, which is obviously that's so obvious, but um, but just some of the best producers of all time. And um, I, I mean, artist-wise, there, are, God, there are there are loads of singers now at this point I'd love to work with. Um, I'd love to do something with Thames. I think she's really got such an incredible voice. Um, I can listen to her like all day long. Who's that? Thames. Okay. Um, and then I, I mean, I've always wanted to, do, I, to, be, to be honest, I've always loved Charlie XCX. I've always wanted to do, like, do something with her, but maybe just write with her. Um, she's such a great songwriter. Um, and um, I've got, there's so many, I need to think, but there's so it's many. It's all good, yeah. With, no, yeah. it's interesting though what you say about working with the best producers and everything. And look, it's another issue. How old's your son now? Two. Okay. So, this is an interesting thing as well because I've talked about this with so many people, right? And first of all, it's a, a, what you're talking about, the imposter syndrome, first of all, that always gets easier as you get older anyway because as a person, you just get more confident. As I you get, say, like, you stop caring so much. Yeah, you do. You yeah. just don't give a fuck anymore. Yeah. That's one part of it. But then, too, when you have a kid, that so dwarfs anything else. Yeah. That it's kind of like, well, who gives a shit what anybody else thinks because that's the most important thing in your life. So, have you found as you were making this record, or more importantly, as people start to hear it and you start to see the response, that your perception of what other people think is changing because now it just doesn't matter as much. Yeah. I, that's, that's, that's one thing that has to be kind of sacred, which is when I'm in the process of making songs, I can't let those thoughts creep into my head of like, what, what are people going to think about this? And especially when I was making Higher Than Heaven, I was pregnant, so I was, all I could think about was, uh, you know, it's quite a big thing, you know, suddenly being pregnant and, it, you know, it being a surprise and and um, and then just launching myself back into writing as if nothing had happened. And uh, I think I was perhaps in this surreal kind of bubble and, um, and yeah, like it just, it just, it, it's all, you know, um, uh, what's the word? It just takes over, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's very hard to think about anything else. Um, but the main thing with, like with, with that album was, uh, yes, being pregnant and kind of just, you know, uh, being in this little bubble, little cozy bubble. Um, but also, um, it was, it was like directly out of lockdown and I think we were, nobody wanted to like sit and write, um, you know, sad songs. And so it was actually refreshing to just sit and make music where I wasn't thinking about my own feelings and stuff that I'd been through, but it was just, um, I mean, kind of writing about no one for once, which was, which was really nice. 
But it's interesting because I, I read where you said that and obviously I've heard the record and you know it's a fascinating thing now that you tell me that you were pregnant when you were writing it. Do you also feel like you were in a euphoric state maybe otherwise? Yes. Yeah. That's what I was kind of looking for, yeah. Um, it, it, you do, you do feel happy when you're pregnant. That's your body like, you know, giving you all those happy hormones to make you feel happy about being pregnant and to like, you know, take care of yourself and so yeah, it does. You know, it was it was a relief to not feel those usual feelings of anxiety when I when I was pregnant, um, and uh, and maybe you go into a bit of like work mode because I think maybe part of me thought that that, that having a baby was so wildly unpredictable that you know am I still going to be making music after this? Am I just going to want to stay at home with my kid? Am I going to lose interest? Am I going to lose my voice? You know, I didn't know. It, it was just the unknown. For the first time ever, I couldn't predict, you know, what was going to happen for me. And um, that's fascinating. How did you feel about that? Well, how did I feel about it? Yeah, that you couldn't predict anything. Did you? Because I mean, it's funny because it's a great Rorschach test. Rorschach test. I can't talk today, but yeah, Rorschach test for people. Look, it's like it's fascinating, right? I did a thousand interviews at least during COVID. I literally would do ninety minutes on a Friday night with Stevie Nicks. I would do forty-five minutes with wow. Lenny Kravitz. You know, forty-five minutes with John Bon Jovi. And what was the most interesting thing to see was how people responded to whether. What they an honor that you're just even talking to me and putting you with all those people. Wow. I'm happy to talk to you. I was wow. looking forward to it. I pitched yeah. that. I reached out to them on this, but it's funny because what I was going to say is, look, it was so interesting to see. Some people were like, I don't miss touring at all. And then you had the Ozzy Osbournes who were the lifers and Ozzy was like, oh my God, Sharon and I are getting on each other's fucking tits. Get me the <laughs> fuck out of the house. You know, so it really just depended. So for you, it's a very interesting Rorschach test. For, did you like the unpredictability or are you one of those people who was like, I need to know what's going to happen? I, I feel like I'm a bit of a, and someone has to be moving all the time. Even houses like, have to, I, I've, I always get this feeling of wanting to escape. I don't know whether it's my childhood or like feeling like I can't ever be settled. And I don't have, you know, I don't have a childhood home anymore. I don't have a place where I, that I can like call home. And I think I'm trying to build that. I'm trying to like build this, this house in the country and trying to make it like my forever home. But I find that hard. And whenever there's an opportunity to like get out on the road or to just keep on moving or, you know, I'll then, I like constantly search for properties even though I'm not looking to buy a house or I'll like keep keep finding excuses to travel and like in lockdown it was it was an excuse for me to stay put and I think I I needed to do that I needed to like have some normality make some cakes read some books pick up my guitar again for the first time in like years and I'm glad that it was forced on me because I, I think I really needed that I'm such a sucker for just like staying on the go and I don't I'm sure there's some kind of like psychology behind that like not feeling safe always feeling like I have to be FOMO yeah well maybe maybe but I've always been a restless spirit as well so I yeah. understand you know it's like you yeah. always I, the most common trait I found among successful people being at Forbes all these years by the way this is not yawning it's like I get this thing called air hunger which is like I can't ever get enough breath so I was like no you're good I don't, I wasn't yeah. you know yeah. but what I was going to say is it's, they want to challenge themselves so it's like I think sometimes there's the feeling that you have to keep moving to keep challenging yourself yeah. it's only when you get much older that you realize wait okay like it's a big challenge to just yeah. be able to sit still you know yeah like even in lockdown you know I'd be out the door in the morning be like out running and I get back and then I'd have to 
I'm, I think I'm like you said I'm quite restless I have to like constantly doing things um, but but with my son you know I've, I've relearned like patience and just like sitting with him watching him do things it's like a kind of play that, like playfulness that I haven't experienced in, in a long time you know seeing him do things is like kind of like injecting this, this patience and being in one place with him and walking with him really slowly and I think like he, it, it's um it's it's kind of you know changed my perspective a little bit um and also like the thought of like dragging him around with me not that appealing I don't I don't want him to like have that life but at the same time you know I want I want him to like come out on the road with me and and, and um you know have a little bit of that life but um I don't know if I can you know I think he'll be back and forth, whereas I'll just be out the whole time, I think. So that's interesting. Do you find then, as you've changed your perspective with him, that it's infiltrating your music? And of course, this record was made while you were pregnant, yeah. but you haven't made anything since, obviously. But it's interesting. Do you find that already, the way that you approach the idea of playing live or doing stuff, that is in, it is influenced by the fact you do have this new patience, you do have this new perspective on things? Yeah, definitely. I, th I, think, I think I'm going to... I can picture it already, like wanting to get off stage. I mean, when he's young, you know, you're, you're, you want to pick them up, you want to cuddle them, you want to just like hang out with them, you want to feed them. Um, and then as they get a bit older, and like, even now, like he's turning into like a proper toddler. Um, I think by the time I do get on tour, um, I'm sure I will like <coughs> get back to the room, FaceTime him, and probably become even more intrusive than I already was before. Um, but uh, no. Um, I don't know. He, I haven't like, got to a space yet where I want to write about motherhood. I'm sure it will come. I know it will come, but not, not like not right now. You know, it's taken me a while to just overcome like the anxiety of becoming a mum. It changed like the chemicals in my brain, so it's like swished up the like salt water in my head, and it's only just settling again. Um, so I am like just overcoming that, and I think I'll get to that get to that place. Um, but for whatever reason, Higher Than Heaven was never going to be like a deep, introspective album um, about me. Um, and so now that I have Arthur, it does it does make you it makes me want to be at home with him. But at the same time, it makes me want to work more. You know, it's 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 a strange thing. It's like I've definitely gone into like work mode more than ever. Um, but at the same time, wanting to be with him is quite tough. So I'm trying to find that balance. What's well, interesting, it's funny you say that, you know, for whatever reason. Look, I mean, I remember interviewing Blondie, right, during, uh, and from the end of, from December 2016 to the middle of 2018, every single musician I interviewed, didn't matter who they were, we talked about what it was like working in America under the Trump regime, mm. you know? And it was a very fascinating thing because for some people it was very political, and for some people, like, I remember talking with Debbie Harry and Chris Stein, who were like, we hate him, but, you know, our political statement is making an album that people can escape to. Yeah. It's making a happy album, and it's yeah. funny, because during COVID, I imagine there was a certain amount of, like, Nick Cave, who is a fucking genius, is the person who explained this best to me. And I'm just, I'm, and again, I always have to quantify this, because I feel like I'm such an asshole with the name dropping, but I'm just lucky to talk to a lot of people who are way uh, smarter than me. Yeah. And he said, as an artist, you're always writing what it is you're longing for. He's like, so if I'm happy, that's when I write sad songs. And he wrote, Into My Arms, Strung Out on Heroin in a Church. And so I, I think- did a that, cover of that song. What's that? I did a cover of that song. Yes. No one's had it, but 
Really? Um, I'll send it to you if you like. Yeah, I would I'll love to. I'll get your email and I'll just drop it to you. Yeah, I would. It, it's this little, it's just a little, little thing I did, but um, but you can just have it to yourself because no one's heard it. So. Uh, do you plan on releasing it or just for fun? Yeah. Yeah. No, you I would like love it. Though. You might like it. Oh, I love him. But anyway, the point being is that so the fact that you're in COVID, right? You're having a kid, so you're it's it's scary. Even though you're euphoric, it's scary. It makes perfect sense to me that in fact the one thing you'd want to do is write music yeah. that you could just escape to. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest, my dad died five days ago. Oh my God. And there's so a, sorry. you're the first, interview. no, it's okay. You're the first interview I've done, but all I've done since then, like uh, my girl was saying yesterday, she's like, just go watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know, yeah. and it's like, again, you just want to escape. The last thing you want to do is think. So it's almost like, you know, watching. I would go straight to watch The Office, like the UK version of The Office or Extras or like, Fleabag or I don't know something yeah exciting. it's whatever it is whatever it is that allows you to I'm but, so sorry oh no thank you it's, I'm not you know but I'm just thinking, like I think that's a very natural human response to go the exact opposite of what you're feeling and to want to escape yeah. so it's interesting when you go back and listen to this album now yeah. does it allow you to escape do you take it and hear yes. it as this like Yes. I heard you. I, I, heard, I, I love the description you had of like it being a dance party on another planet. Maybe yeah. think of like the old B52s, who yeah. are one of my favorite bands ever. I've always wanted. I've always wanted to make music to escape, and um, you know, my 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 singing came from. I think, you know, I didn't have an easy childhood, and I I think I think there were so many different interpretations of what was an easy or hard childhood. It doesn't matter, like. Know, how much money you did or didn't have I think and we all had like unique experiences and um, just because you like you know had a privileged childhood doesn't mean that you had a happy childhood you know so it's like yeah. relative and like I mine was just like poor and dysfunctional and um, so I when I first started writing you know I was writing about that and um, I was just putting my feelings down to paper and then trying to construct what I thought was a song you know they were, they were really shy but um, at the time, you know, I thought it was genius. Um, you but, should release those. Yeah, oh my God, no. The Childhood Years box set, yes. <laughs> no way, I would die. I just couldn't, I couldn't handle that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so it started off like, as like really hitting my, my, you know, sadness um, like head on. And I was so, I was so obsessed with I, I put I put a lot onto like boys and and to like you know the first guy I was ever in love with I was really really in love with I remember my sister was dating this guy I went around to his house because I I just pierced my chin and my my mum was just like said to my sister get her out of the house you know I guess I was going through something and I met like what I thought was the love of my life and. He was wearing like a Pearl Jam hoodie, I think, and he was like listening to, I guess probably Pearl Jam, and that, that was my, where my obsession with Pearl Jam started. And I was just, I, rem I remember the feeling now. I remember that like that like gut wrenching, like oh, couldn't like all, you know all consuming feeling of like being in love. And and I all I did was write about it. And at the time we had like MSN Messenger. Which, did, you, did you ever have that? Is yeah. That where, <laughs> or we had like AIM, AOL, oh, AIM. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. So I'm just waiting for like him to come online and <laughs> send messenger. But like, so so my my music has always been like a like direct response to to such intense feelings about about my life, you know, my childhood and and my and like my I just, like I, you know I was falling in love in five seconds with someone and I was like a, just like a big thinker, you know, I was I was conscientious and I and I. 
I I just I, I knew quite early on that I was sort of different from, from my family and and so the idea now that I can write music like Hide in Heaven that I can just I just didn't know that option was available to me to be honest and now I can I perform I perform the songs once or twice I did like some shows at Coco London about a month ago and it just felt really good to perform them. I just got to sing, got to be a vocalist, got to be a performer, and it it just it didn't feel exhausting like emotionally. It felt like just good. It felt like electric and alive. And um, so I guess I just didn't know that was an option. Now I do, and then, so I think I'm gonna just do a tour that I really enjoy. And obviously I'm gonna have to do songs from Light, songs from Halcyon, maybe a song or two from Delirium, maybe not, um, and then. Brightest Blue, which, which you know, um, I have to say is my favourite album, but maybe because it's one of those things where like there's still a mystery to it because I didn't get to go on tour with it, I didn't get to like breathe life into it, I didn't get to see those songs come to life. So maybe that's why I kind of like um, kind of yearn for I don't know a Brightest Blue era that never happened. So that's so interesting to me, but it's funny. Do you feel like now, I wonder, and of course it's too soon to say, we'll have to have this conversation in two years. Yeah. But I feel like my gut instinct is, is that, you know, after doing the Higher Than Heaven tour and getting to do this fun tour, that the next album is going to be this Joni Mitchell Blue, like, really wow. introspective, like... It will. It, it will. It, I know it. It's coming already. I've already been writing it, and it's... Well, I mentioned blue. What's yeah. what's your when you think of the benchmark for introspective? What is it? I've just been I've been writing things down that are like so honest. They even kind of shock me when I when I when I read them back. Um, my anxiety has I literally like took over my life at one point because I just couldn't function. I um, I couldn't think. I couldn't write, I couldn't sing, I couldn't perform. And I was like, okay, so so then my life is over then because these are all the things that I do. And Arthur, you know, was the was the thing that um, was such an antidote to that because um, we just, you know, we had like a, we have a special bond, obviously, and um, and he. My occupation was him, which is a lot of, which is pretty much all new mums. There's nothing else you can you can do, and you don't want to be away from them. And so I spent all my time with him, and it was it was pure joy. And then you know, then I go and lie down in bed, and then suddenly I like, well, I, my anxiety always comes to me at night. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but like, yeah. you know, it seems to be a thing. Yeah, um, because that's the quiet time. That's when you have time to think. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, during the day you're busy, whatever. It's like as soon as you, you know. Yeah. Um, and God, I can't remember what, what, what we were talking about. Well, you were talking about how you would, you know, spend the day with him and then you would lie down and then the anxiety would come at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I feel a lot of stuff, like writing, happening, uh, that, that, that will be centered around that because it could not be you know it it it, it, it controlled me and it, it kind of dictated like how I spent my time and but also uh, at the same time you know when I wasn't feeling anxious those times became really beautiful moments of like feeling ecstatic to not be anxious so 
as soon as the anxiety lifts, it's just like literally like the sun comes out and and I feel like this like kind of like like joy for life again. So in, it's those moments that I that I really you know I've, I've been thinking about a lot about the fact that I I've, I've simultaneously had the hardest year of my life, but also had opportunities to see life in, in a really beautiful way because. I'm like, oh, this is how you're supposed to feel in life. This is you're, this is how yeah. happy you're supposed to feel about like how precious and beautiful life is. Yeah. Especially you know having Arthur too and seeing how much he enjoys things and seeing him look, watching him see things for the first time. Um, so there, there's so much writing in that. Like, you know, it's just gonna be oh, like an endless stream of things that I've been, I've you know, been confronted with and. Yeah. I think about a song like as you're talking about this about like, like a John Lennon song Beautiful Boy and it's because you were talking about the unpredictability and I always thought that you know two of my absolute musical heroes and two of the baddest people who ever walked the face of the earth are Patti Smith and John Lennon both of whom gave up music for their families I read a lot all of Patti's books and, and poetry um, yeah but again yeah. like to walk away from music for 17 years to have a family that is as badass as he gets. And John Lennon was the biggest star in the history of the world. He was John Lennon of yeah. Beatles, and yeah. he's like, eh, "Fuck this shit! I'm gonna go have a, be a dad for five years." Yeah. So it's do you interesting. Think you can do that now. I don't even know if that's possible now. I think you can do whatever you want now, but it's interesting yes, because yes, but... I mean, it's interesting. It's just so when I was thinking about them when you talked about the unpredictability, and again, I think for everyone, it's a matter of just what you choose to do, yeah. how you choose to do it. But it's interesting yeah. now that you're two years into being a mom and you have the album out. Yeah. Do you have a better sense of what direction you want things to go? Um, I, I would love to just... It, the only reason that I would I would stop working was, was uh, you know, spending time with Arthur. There's no other thing that would like take me away from music. It's, I, 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 I realized more than ever in lockdown that it was it was my, you know, the reason that I'm saying, like saying-ish, um, because uh, performing, I took it for granted, like performing every night was was the norm for me and to suddenly not be doing it was, um, I didn't realize how how much it, it uh, was kind of my lifeline. And um, I think now with, with Arthur, um, I'm lucky enough to have someone helping me with him, looking after him right now and uh, I don't know, it does give you a kind of a new sense of like wanting wanting to do your best and wanting to me wanting to make him proud and um, I mean you also feel like fucking invincible when you've had a kid despite the anxiety I said the other day on my Instagram you know I can simultaneously fall asleep on this couch right now and or lift a car because it gives you this immense sense of like power like having a kid is like the respect I have for, for mums is just like another level I didn't it's so much more than just like giving birth to 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 a human it's so much more and uh, it does give you yeah a new sense of power and it changes you there's, there's no doubt about it it changes you it changes um, you almost feel like you know I was kind of floating around slightly in a bit of a dream while before and now it, it does bring you back down to earth and whatever whatever it is is working for me you know because I feel like music is great I feel like work is great I feel like despite the anxiety I, I feel on top of things and I feel proud of myself that I 
um, have got through it, to be honest. You know, it was, it was so fucking hard. It was so, so hard. And I didn't think I was going to get through it. So I do feel, if I can get through that, I feel like I'm doing all right. I keep on going. <laughs> all right, cool. We're going to have to wrap up in a second. Wait, so I've been doing the sports roundup with everyone. And your favorite life lesson. What is your favorite life lesson and how, like, how has it applied to your life? Well, it's funny. I'm sure it's something that being a mom, you've now thought about more. Just whatever one comes to your mind. God. You can always email it to me if you can't think of one. I might have to. Well, that's fine because you're sending me the Nick Cave cover anyway. So you yes. Can, yes. Okay. Okay. You and that will that'll be quite perfect. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I will, but but don't let me obviously make sure that I do that today, right now. Okay. Now, then. Because I'd like to give. I'd like to give. Well, I do good advice that's useful to people, not just spouting off some. No, I do these quote, things because you know? they're fun. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. so then I'm lucky that I can go to like Shepherd Ferry and Cameron Crow and people like that and just have, you know, like like I said, I'm lucky to have. I know a lot of people that are smarter than me, so it's very interesting to hear what they have to say. Yeah, I I, I do. I just want to be sure about what I want to say. I know it's supposed to be fun, but um, yeah. All right, but I, now also for fun, since we were talking about you know, How Higher Than Heaven is this really escapist album, yeah. but also how the next one is going to be this, you know, Dylan, yeah. Blood on the Tracks type record, because that's my other benchmark for introspection. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, thank you. So, your favorite escape song of all time, and your favorite vulnerable song of all time, the ones that come to mind for each. Like that one song that every time it comes on, like for me it's Earth, Wind & Fire, September, where you just turn into like an idiot, because it's so fun. Just makes you so happy. Oh God! It was ELO until it was played at a funeral, and then it like obviously it changed for me. Um, oh my God! Um, I you know what I I'm gonna look at my on my the, the songs I just I, I have like a list of songs that I listen to nonstop. It's like a small list. Um, fuck! This is like a bad day to ask me these questions. Good. Um, have you ever had this song? Yeah, you've obviously had this song. What is it? It's just such a. Everything's lagging. It's like they're just jamming in like a like a room somewhere, like a garage maybe. It's like it doesn't have a time signature it's just like all over the place and it just like makes me happy yeah no it's beautiful and then obviously this mini riverton song it's like i used to bass through the door and sing this song when i was young you know this one right yeah okay i just sent you just as an example i know you have my email but i just sent you because while we were doing that i just got shepherd's answer shepherd fairy oh wait on the yeah on the life lesson. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, so now you can see as an example of what someone else said. All right, and what's the favorite introspective song? That one that just can, like, like Dylan's If You See Her Say Hello can make me cry every time. Oh, so, yeah. Or A Case of You, of course. Oh, God, those are the good ones. Um... Mm-hmm. You can pick those, too. I mean, again, those are two of the best songs of all time. They are, they are. Yeah. Um... I'm just going to say this song just in case someone, for some reason, hasn't heard it. But I'm going to say Hide and Seek with Imogen Heap. Nice. Just because 
it was of a moment. I loved Imogen Heap. I loved all her music. She was one of my early like inspirations when I when I started out. And I remember hearing that for the first time, and being like, you know, just just because it was the first time I really even heard like like vocoder done in that way. And um, and at the time, you know, those lyrics were so deep and so like haunting, and um, it was just like a teenage. You know, it, it just ticked every like teenage um, angst box for me at the time. Um, I mean, maybe not angst. You know, when when I angsty was my pearl jam and my bit of incubus and um, I think I was I like Muse when they first when they the Origin of Symmetry era System of a Down. Um, but um, I'm Rage Against the Machine. I really have been through it all. Like I loved Rage, loved Pearl Jam. Um, so yeah, I, I will probably. Wait, what was your best Mosh Pit experience ever? Ever stage dive? Yep. I was at Reading 2003, watched Metallica, um, Sum 41, uh, System of a Down. Um, I, did you ever like this band, The Music? They were sort of Led, Zeppel Led Zeppelin. I think they were probably more UK band. Yeah, um, but um, I just remember at the time, it, it, it was sort of this kind of stuff. And his voice was, I think they're like, North somewhere. Okay. I don't think I ever heard them. They had like they were like came out and everyone was like freaking out over them and then they went away again. Yeah. But I used to dance to this in my in my bedroom. And air guitar it, obviously. But yeah, um, I remember they were they were there too. Um, but um, I I was so desperate to stay to the end of Metallica that I I I was like I might just have to pee myself because um I'm not I'm not gonna lose my place at the front. I was right at the front. Um I didn't, I managed to hold it somehow. But um that was like a very squishy, moshy experience. Um pretty grim, but like awesome. Yeah. Nice. It's funny, is there a part of you that is just like, okay, just once you want a giant mosh pit to break out at one of your shows? <laughs> They do in South America sometimes. Uh, the, the the crowds there are the I'm sure you've heard this before, like the best crowds in the world, and um, I'm sure that has happened. But you know, well, maybe when I I used to play like you know the bass notes were bits of lights, and uh, and then I'd play like the song Figure Eight, and it was kind of a dubstepy moment. So that you know that that can bring out the mosh pit. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean maybe I'll bring that back again. You know, I do like a headbang, and I do like to sort of lose my mind slightly on stage. So. Best live show you've ever seen, best live performer? Oh my god. And this might be two different things, by the way, because the best live show I've ever seen is the Zeppelin reunion show, which can't be topped. And the mm. best performer for me is Springsteen, so. El Elton John is up there for me. And I have to say that just because last time I watched him, he gave me a shout out. So I've got to, I've got to, I've got to put that there. Yeah, the phenomenal farewell, performer. The farewell tour was phenomenal. Yeah. I saw it like four times. Um, but then you know, I've also seen like Bon Iver in play in London uh, when, when he first came out with Forever Forever Ago, and uh, like mind blown. Um, and then I've seen like Ludwig Audi, classical pianist, some of the most beautiful songs in the world on piano, um, played for two hours, deadly silent, like not 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 even like obviously like a bit of clapping. But you can do a pin drop. It was like never seen anything like that before. 
Cool. What do you want to add we didn't talk about? I email you. Yeah, I emailed you so you have If I think of anything, yeah, but I'm definitely going to give you my my life advice. And the Nick Cave cover. Yeah. Yeah. You might like it or you might be like, no. <laughs> I'm sure I will like it. You know, it's funny. Like, Garbage are friends and I love their cover of Where Do the Children Play. I'm not sacred when it comes to okay. certain songs. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's like one or two songs that probably should never be covered. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I mean, people have covered Stairway, but to me, it's like, you know, do you cover Stairway to Heaven? You know, I think. Um, I used to play on guitar, like, but, yeah. Right, not for a public cover. I'm trying to think of what yeah. else. I mean, I guess, I don't know, maybe you not. You know, people don't cover my songs very often. They're too hard to cover. Okay. Like, lights. Hey, it's Steve Balton. You've been listening to My Turning Point with special guest Ellie Goulding. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.